0: Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of gambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 89 of Unblocking Crypto. Hal, great to see you as always. Good to see you, Jason. So I think the thing to talk about to start with is the fake news that just happened here within the past couple of hours where apparently the ETF was approved according to a couple of sources.
1: Yeah, and Twitter ran with it and then had to back off of it. And enough people got wind of it that the Bitcoin price went from 27,100 to 29,900 in like minutes. And like a 10% jump on a false start is kind of why we talk about the spot ETF, you know, pretty much every week. Because the spot ETF is A price driver. The price driver is the reason people get into Bitcoin. Then people get into Bitcoin, and then they learn about how money works and everything else. And then, you know, then they go down from store of value to medium of exchange and all that. So that's it's it's why the regulation is important. It's why the ETF approval is important. It shot up almost three thousand dollars instantaneously. That's before anybody that's not really paying attention or has a job or is commuting to work or whatever, had a chance to make a buy. So it is important. I think that, you know, if you're on the fence of whether or not you're going to jump in is, is $27,000 of Bitcoin a deal? Like, am I waiting for it to hit 25? You might not see 25, you know, if this, if this happens. So that's a good, good warning shot. I think everybody expects block BlackRock's ETF to be on, If it's not approved first, it'll be approved in the first group. Along the same lines, ARC Invest and the 21 shares ETF, their S-1 was amended. So they added five pages of additional documentation, plus the tweaks to language throughout that, which means they're talking to the SEC and the SEC is giving them direction on what they need to do, which implies (laughs) that... The, the, the SEC is starting to play ball and starting to get everybody caught up so that instead of picking one to approve and and picking a the winner, they're going to get everybody moving at the same time. Uh,
0: Peeling the grayscale ETF transfer or tr- turn into the spot ETF. So, yeah, I mean, things look very positive. This, the, the big question is when does it happen? And I think there are a lot of people that were hoping hoping that would happen in October. And I think that's still a little upper, optimistic, but – maybe end of the year most likely q1 of of next year is is more likely
1: yeah i think january is kind of a reasonable time to expect that to happen the the gbtc ruling they had a, what was it 30 or 45 days to respond and and appeal that ruling and that expired friday at midnight and they didn't they didn't appeal that so they can deny it for a different reason but if they're indicating to Ark Invest what they need to do to get their application in line with everyone else's you get this weirdo fake news leak about approving BlackRock i would think that things are just moving towards the SEC trying to level the playing field between GBTC Ark Invest and all the there's there's seven or eight different ETFs the, in similar news, the GBTC discount is down to 16%. I mean, was it was at almost 50% like eight months ago. So money's starting to place bets on all right, it looks like this thing's going to be converted to an ETF. This discount's going to disappear. So there's a, still a free 16% if you believe that the, the, if you think that there's a greater than 16% chance that the GBTC gets converted to an ETF. Then there's an arbitrage play to jump into GVT, and in general, you kind of if you got money on the sidelines and you're thinking about buying Bitcoin, it's kind of tough to justify waiting. When you get a little signal like this, you're not going to get a second shot. And once the ETFs will cut loose, I don't think we come back down here. Honestly, being this low at even in this bear market feels like a product of how weird the last cycle was and all the headwinds that came through the FTX fake Bitcoin purchases. You know, a lot of money came into FTX to buy Bitcoin where where they did not buy it. They just used the money to do other things. The China mining ban, you know, the whole bull run started handicapped by the, by the COVID drop to like whatever that was, $3,800. So... It feels Bitcoin always feels expensive and cheap. So I think right now you got to feel like it. it, Once the CDTF gets released, what's going to happen? What everybody thinks is going to happen is going to happen. And I think that people just aren't ready for it, and or they have to wait and see it, and they have to actually get punched in the face, and they can't they can't dodge a punch, you know. So I think you'll see a lot of people sitting on Bitcoin or sitting on cash, and then regretting that they're buying Bitcoin at forty grand. And saying, oh, man, when it went up to 29, that that weird day, I should have bought when it went, came back down to 27. But they still won't do it.
0: I want to say we went through that last time Bitcoin was going up like, oh, let's just wait until it comes down a little bit. And then it would jump all the way up to 50 or 60. And I guess it was kind of one of those conversations I think we had was, all right, if you like it at 50… Then it's fine at forty. It's fine at sixty. If you think it's going a lot higher, so the the whole concept is just dollar cost average in. Right? Quit trying to time the market. We're not going to be perfect. We don't know what's going to happen. So just take advantage of of where it is now. Yeah, and stop. That's this. that's what seems to be what it, what the whales are doing anyways, right? I mean, you're seeing whales accumulate even more Bitcoin left and right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not just whales though. It's everybody. I mean, like yeah. you got. A, I've got a friend that does. $25 a week, every week for the last several years. And it's like, pretty good strategy. He doesn't get up or down. He's not buying big chunks at bad times on emotion. And he just collects and it's, it's a good strategy. What What will happen to a lot of people is they'll FOMO in and then they'll be the first people to get out. And then they'll be mad at Bitcoin because they didn't have a strategy
0: what's the status, as long as you've held it for four or five years, almost nobody's underwater, (laughs) something like that, right? So, I mean, it is not a short-term thing for those people trying to day trade it. It's a completely different thing to talk about, right? I mean, what we're talking about is is definitely long-term, and where I see it going, I think where you see it going, is much higher than where it is today.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not one of the Bitcoin guys that's like, oh, Bitcoin's going to reprice everything and it's infinity divided by 21 million. I think bitcoin in my lifetime bitcoin doesn't take over the US dollar, right? Like there's too much momentum and too much network effect. So I think it is priced in US dollars and I think for me there's a certain amount of my bitcoin portfolio that gets held for it gets passed to my kids. But there's a certain amount of it that is like Yep, I'm gonna convert it back into US dollars. That's my that's the plan. Like I like I overbought Bitcoin so that I can do that and not requ- like I know that I'm gonna sell Bitcoin for US dollars for less than it's gonna be at some point. Like I'm not gonna sell the peak. But I've got you know, I made sacrifices to put money in, so as that money goes up, I'll I'll collect some US dollars and kind of get my personal family operational money kind of where it's super easy and less stressful and then just ride out the rest so to me it's to me everybody's got a different bitcoin strategy like i don't know that i want to wait around until bitcoin takes over the world in 22 whatever 2140 something like that like i don't think i got that kind of time so you know there's a little bit of that that's that's a low time preference that i'm going to convert into dollars and be like okay no matter what happens if if somehow bitcoin breaks and falls apart and goes to zero i'm i'm, I'm not the psychological impact of that isn't a too big of a deal other than the fact that i'm all the stuff i've learned about the economy global macro stuff and everything else all of that falls apart as well if bitcoin goes to zero so that'll be interesting but you got to be in a good spot, man. You got to put yourself like zero is the wrong allocation to Bitcoin, either short or long term. Even if you're, even if your your horizon is is six years, you need to have more than zero percent of your your net worth in Bitcoin.
0: So I was listening to another podcast that had Anthony Scar- Scaramucci. Ever mm-hmm. say his name? The old uh, White House guy that holds like the record for the shortest time yeah. frame
1: ten, ten days.
0: He, he also has a what, Skybridge Capital. He used to be part of Goldman Sachs. I mean, he knew Gary Gensler back when Gary was at Goldman Sachs, and he was talking about how no one really liked Gary back at Goldman Sachs. And <laughs> He had a couple of interesting things that he threw out there, and it's nothing too huge and new for us, but one of the things he talked about is we're at a about a 4% saturation, right? So it's kind of like where the internet was back in 1998. We've been talking about that for a while, but can you imagine us trying to have this conversation over the internet in 1998. <laughs> I mean, just the technology and where it was is, is not there. And there's a lot more to come for sure. And he mentioned just the government in general. There's probably a good chance that in early next year, we see a rough patch with inflation and everything going on and not really sure what's gonna happen. And he said his <laughs> his insights haven't been the most accurate. I mean, he's he's done well um, bitcoin and ethereum he has not done well on what was it hogarand and something else he didn't do very well on
1: he said, if you look do you look well at, on whatever that whatever that token was that i bought that didn't do well <laughs> like, yeah. yeah yeah that sounds like something that got into got into crypto.
0: <laughs> but he's like i'm not selling it i'm holding on to it. it overall his portfolio is doing well but he said i mean if you look at it at, at some point especially with the ETFs coming up on it. And, and this guy, he's also the first outside investor into the BlackRock Bitcoin trust, right? He put a $10 million bet down with BlackRock and as soon as they open it up or whatever it is, he's he's one of the big investors in that. He's still calling for a first half of 24 ETF approval, spot ETF. So, But he said, I mean, if you look at it, by that time, all of these financial advisors because if you look at all the stocks in general, people don't buy them, <laughs> they're sold by Wall Street. <laughs> right. So all of a sudden, when these guys can start to make some sort of income on them, they're going to start selling that you want to have some part of your portfolio in crypto. And whether that's a half percent or even up to two percent or even more, right? But even in that half to two percent, by his calculation, that does an 11x multiplier from what it is today. So it puts it at like half the market cap of, of gold, right? So, I mean, you're talking about maybe in 12 months, $100,000 Bitcoin, $3,500 Ethereum, stuff like that, which would be great, right? But it's also usually happens way after the the happening. So it is, it's not like it's gonna happen overnight. I mean, yes, fake news shot up Bitcoin's price in a few minutes, but most likely it'll still t- it'll be a up and down it's not going to be a straight up kind of thing either right
1: yeah and to circle back to that four percent adoption and the 1998 internet equivalent the 1998 internet there was no infrastructure you, people didn't own have computers at their house they didn't have they we were on landlines and you you know you couldn't make a phone call while you were on the internet it was so clumsy and clunky And new and the same kind of, you have the same kind of FUD about, oh, it's just, there's all kinds of scams on the internet and all these other issues and same exact kind of conversation. But the difference with Bitcoin is everybody's got a smartphone, everybody's familiar with making payments online or through their phone or using QR codes, like all of that, the, the rails are greased for Bitcoin adoption. The only thing the only piece is this negative narrative that's you know constantly pronounced through mainstream media about you know nefarious actors and things like that. But as soon as the Bitcoin ETF gets approved, the owners of the news now also own Bitcoin Spot ETFs. And I think that news changes. And if the news isn't giving you negative information, and then your Edward Jones financial advisor is like, hey, it's time to get into Bitcoin. You know, it's it's open now. We feel good about it. It's safe. Da, da, da. Well, now it's like, okay, this is how it works, right? The, the guys at the top kind of set the tone. And so you hear at two or three different angles that everything's okay and the, the, the water's fine, jump in. Well, now it's one, two, three percent of your, your net worth. And then if you're inheriting your parents' wealth maybe it's 5 10 15% of your net worth because you've got because you're 40 years old and you've got a longer time horizon and you can handle the volatility. So to me, you know, over the next 10 years tons of money's coming in and 10 years from now it will I would assume bitcoin will be ahead of the 2008 internet where it was on adoption, which was pretty freaking un, not universal but in the United States and developed countries 2008 internet was you had to you had to be involved like you didn't have a choice if you were going to be successful in any way like if you everybody's emailing in 2008 right everybody's using the internet Google's up and running so if Bitcoin's ahead of that ten years from now Bitcoin price and adoption is is through the roof relative to uh, relative to where the internet wasn't in, in 2008 so I think that's a big piece I think. I think that the, the cultural shift that happens when the the Wall Street guys and the big money guys and BlackRock that owns everything, once they change the the message, uh, I think money flows in pretty heavy.
0: Well, and they don't want to change the message until they can make money off of it. Correct. <laughs> so they're trying to delay it as long as possible. And if you look at like JP Morgan Chase, they've been acquiring Bitcoin or an Ethereum for quite some time and telling people not to get in it, waiting for them to get as much as they can before they start releasing the masses into it. So, I mean, it's, you always got to follow the money and find out why people are making decisions where they are, especially businesses. And, and that's the big piece of it is right. They're, they can't make money unless they're not going to sell to you unless they can make money. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about regulation. Cause I don't know if you, you saw G20, which is what 20 countries that own 80% of the world's GDP came out and said they, approved a crypto roadmap. I don't know if you heard much about this. but nope. I've, been, right. I've
1: been off the grid for, for five out of the last seven days. So,
0: so I, I read a little bit about it and kind of started laughing because they approved it, yet they expect the first review to happen by the end of 2025. So, I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, we're sitting here frustrated in the U.S. that we can't get Congress to look at anything and, and make any decisions and I guess the G20 G twenty finally agreed that we should look at some sort of framework, but they're still almost over two years away from getting close to some sort of agreement. So, I mean, like you said, in, in 10 years, a lot of things will be changing. Apparently, government still thinks that we're that far away because they think there's plenty of time to make decisions on what the regulation.
1: Well, yeah, if you look at the last six months, you got plenty of time. Like, if, if the next four years are just like the last six months, it's pretty boring. It's not gonna be boring. Like t- by 2025, we're gonna be in a very different spot.
0: Yeah, and so, I mean, if you look at the US, not that I pay a ton of attention to what's going on in Congress, but apparently there's a, a difficulty trying to identify the Speaker of the House. Yeah, and, and what's unfortunate is probably one of the biggest fans of crypto, Patrick McHenry, who is the head of the finance committee he is acting as the house chair. So while he's doing that, he can't do any of the finance committee stuff that was helping kind of push crypto forward. And there's, I think, two crypto bills that are just sitting at the house right now. And, and one is to kind of set up some government guidelines for US-based stable coins, which is kind of important because there's just a mess of stuff going on there. And then the other one I want to say was just creating a system for crypto framework, something like that. So it, I mean, kind of important stuff to be talking about and instead they're fighting on who's going to be the speaker of the house.
1: Yeah. Well, if they don't get it resolved pretty quickly, they're just not going to get anything done until after, until January, 2020, like they're just going to lose next year because it's an election year and nobody wants to do anything major. And, so yeah, it's government is running at the speed of government, and crypto's developing it the, as fast as technology can can go. Yeah. And AI stuff is going to help coders code faster. So it's one side speeding up, and the other one slowing down. And the technology side's already way faster than the government side. So the the lead is yeah, they're, they're, it's just going to get away from them.
0: Yeah, some other regulation type things going on. SEC and Coinbase were in the news again, so Coinbase filed a petition, I think three days ago, giving the SEC 30 days to respond on its the petition that they had, had submitted to get things, I guess, to, to make decisions on what's going on, so it's kind of a mess. There's not a lot of details on it, but...
1: So is this like yeah, the times up? For, because Coinbase submitted a document weeks of, or weeks or months ago, pushing the SEC forward. So this is like times up on that, and they have and the SEC he, hasn't he, done anything.
0: Yeah. So I think that what they're saying is Coinbase is saying whatever the SEC said actually doesn't give them any direction. So well, the SEC said. Come out that, and give
1: it- <laughs> like SEC said, don't ask why. Just com- comply with what we're asking you to do. And yeah. and the coin, and Coinbase is like, well, it's going to put us out of business if we comply. So we're not going to comply. So
0: it continues to be kind of a back and forth. So Not much is happening, but they keep telling, or Coinbase keeps giving the SEC 30 days to respond. And the SEC responds back saying, oh, there's nothing to respond about.
1: <laughs> now no, they're going to have to, it's going to have to go to court. And then they're going to have be two or three years in court. The secs they're just not doing their job. And I think Congress is on to that they they kind of grilled Gary Gensler a couple of weeks ago and gave him a real hard time about not following their charter which is to essentially kind of protect retail investors but they're it's it, the slow play doesn't it only it doesn't help retail investors if retail investors are scared to jump in but it does help i mean what does blackrock care if they lose 1% which is a a monster number right but if your if retail guys are scared and BlackRock's not and they can take the risk, then the SEC is really just benefiting big banks and, and investment houses, which everybody knows what that's what they're doing. But Congress at least they – were, they were at least letting Gary Gensler know they knew that.
0: It was interesting. So Anthony Scaramucci was talking a little bit about it where his view on this – and granted, this is an opinion. But when – back when uh, Biden was running for president and they had a bunch of other Democrats too – Elizabeth Warren was one of those that was running, and she backed out because she wanted to give Biden a chance to beat Trump, and -hmm. she thought that was going to be one of the best chances. But one of the almost requests that she made was if she did that, she wanted more control on the finance side of things. So as you've probably noticed, she is very much controlling finance in general, and she has been one of the biggest anti-crypto voices out there. And Gary Gensler is kind of one of her main picks. So he's kind of tied into her and he's almost doing whatever she says. So that could be one of the reasons why the SEC is doing nothing because you have people like Elizabeth Warren that are trying to kill crypto as much as they can.
1: Yeah. Because what does Elizabeth Warren care? She's, she, and we could talk about 10 years from now and six years from now and all that. And like, is she going to be 86? Yeah. Like, What does she care? Like this is the thing that drives me crazy about uh, people that are 80 years old making decisions for that affect people that are seven years old.
0: Yep. Yeah. She'll be gone long before anything actually even happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 2025 is a long way away for her.
0: Yeah. And then one of the other things going on and it's crazy, the whole Israel and Palestine and Hamas and it's just a mess over there. And man, that's, I don't even really want to talk about that. But one of the things that I did see was the Wall Street Journal came out and said that crypto was enabling Hamas to, to fund terrorism,
1: a new which is, coming.
0: which is kind of crazy to me. And, and granted, I don't think I've, ever, I've been a fan of the Wall Street Journal because a lot of the stuff that they say is is kind of a mess. And But what's interesting, they had one of the guys that's kind of on the crypto side and understands all the whole anti-money money laundering and KYC. And he came out and said, look, Hamas came out in what April of 2019 and started having Bitcoin donations to to fund it. And shortly thereafter decided we're going to quit doing our Bitcoin donations because the rest of the world is being able to track those people donating the money. They're shutting them down and actually going after them. Right. So I think they made like $600 on their Bitcoin donations dat- because everybody thought it was private. It's not private at all. <laughs> they can go find it and, and, and see what's going on. And if you look at it, I mean, the whole AML, KYC side of things is getting way more difficult. I mean, there's, there's not many exchanges out there that don't do any sort of KYC. So it is very difficult to do any sort of transactions where they don't know what's going on. And all this is on a public blockchain. So people can track everything that's going on. And even things like Monero that are supposed to be these private keys, there's not enough liquidity in Monero for millions and millions of dollars to be done for something like Hamas. So on on top of that, I think Israel and Binance had actually shut down like a couple hundred accounts. And in in the past few years, recovered over a million dollars in crypto from all that. So, right, I mean, crypto is not what's funding this (laughs) at all. It's they're, they're being able to track everybody that is donating to these terrorist organizations and actually taking the court and finding guilty.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of the, the AML KYC stuff is, all right, you can backtrack this wallet, sent donations into Hamas's wallet. This wallet received uh, funds from this Coinbase account, this Coinbase account, is linked to this checking account with Wells Fargo. There's your guy. And so it's uh, to me Bitcoin's not Coin is not the boogeyman here. You could say that there are other cryptos that are capable of it, but it's just it's just a dying narrative that in a in a year or two I think it's gone. I think if I had to guess, there's a lot more US dollars that have purchased weapons for terrorists, then there will ever be Bitcoin used to purchase weapons for terrorism. It's just there's just too much dirty dollars out there floating around in the in the Middle East. I mean, we keep sending them more. So, you know, there's there's a there's a six billion dollar transaction that everybody knows about that went to Iran, and surprise, within a few months there's a problem. So, uh, to me, it's crypto. Crypto is not your problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Exactly. So we talked about uh, some regulation on stable coins and shocker, there was another stable coin that lost its peg. (laughs) USD, what is it? USDR, which is a real estate backed stable coin, which is kind of interesting, different concept, right? Where they have a bunch of real estate and I think they actually give some sort of rebate or interest rate. Like I think it's five or 6% on the, That coin, just because of all the real estate and the... I'm hoping that it's real estate that actually has income producing on it.
1: Cash flowing, yeah.
0: Yeah. But it it dropped its peg by like half. so And they haven't really been able to figure out how to repair it yet. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. The proof of reserves that they had has dropped quite a bit. But I think it's still close to where the market cap of that stablecoin is. So they could sell, I guess, a bunch of real estate to help get the peg back up. But once again... Stable coins are great, but
1: <laughs> be careful. You got to do them right, and like you can't lose confidence or you're done. Because there's yeah. too many other ones that yeah. are, that people can jump to. So it's one of those things, man. They'll keep trying stuff, and eventually something will work. And then whatever works well first will attract all the money, and then it'll just be locked in. And then we'll have a stable coin that works. So I think I think it's important for non-us countries to have access to that i think that's the the best use case for stable coins Uh, it used to be like oh you can get out of bitcoin and and get into a dollar stable thing on a exchange and then you can buy into other cryptos but now you got people that are using that stable coin like as a fiat safe harbor to to get away from inflation and sit on a dollar when their local currency is going crazy so i think I think there's enough people out there that need that. And I think it'll, somebody will figure it out.
0: Well, we've talked so much about Bitcoin being a long-term investment, which is great for a lot of people. But in, in these third world countries that are the ones that are adopting crypto, they're not thinking long-term. They're just trying to survive day to day. And right. they can't have money fluctuating 10% and back down 10% in a couple of minutes. Cause that just completely messes them up. So stable coins are, where most of them are flocking to right now. It's it's really not Bitcoin. I mean, the Bitcoin side of things is great to be able to send transactions across borders, but they're going right from that into stable coins and then into U.S. dollars because the U.S. dollars are holding their value way more than whatever fiat currency they have in their country.
1: Right. Yeah, they're, they're paid in local currency on Friday, and they have bills to pay in two weeks. And they can't wait and see if their money's going to be worth what it's worth two weeks from now, they need to get into something that is going to survive that two weeks. So, you know, there's there's enough of a need, so somebody will figure it out. So
0: MetaMask is in the news lately for good and bad reasons, I guess. The first thing is they have now adapted Stripe as a way to get Fiat onto MetaMask. So that's pretty exciting and a great thing, but that seemed to be somewhat overshadowed from the Apple store taking MetaMask off of their app store. And no one really understands why. It makes the most sense that because they added Stripe, it kind of competes with Apple Pay, and Apple had some issues with that and decided to get rid of that app for a little bit. The The biggest problem was that allows some of the fake apps to jump in and possibly steal something. So for a few hours, the MetaMask was doing a pretty good job of saying, please be careful. Don't, we know what the issue is, we're, we're fixing it. Don't download any fake apps and uh, everything's back up and working now at, on the Apple Store. But it was uh, kind of a, a worry thing for a little bit on what was going on with Apple. Yep. Ferrari was also in the news. I don't know the last time you've thought about buying a Ferrari, but they are now accepting Bitcoin, Ethereum, and USDC. So they're trying to kind of tap into a younger generation and, and hope that they use crypto to buy Ferraris.
1: You know, that's not a bad idea because. It's not like you need to sell 10,000 products to make that move worthwhile. You just need to sell a couple extra Ferraris, you know? So, not a bad business decision. You might be able to get a little something from some people that got into Bitcoin early and are just, you know, they bought that poster at the book fair when in elementary school of the Ferrari and put it on their wall. And now they can just convert Bitcoin into a Ferrari. So, yeah, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I, businesses need to start selling things in Bitcoin in order to prove the medium of exchange. I think it's early. You know, you you see that happen a little bit here and there. It's fine. Uh, People can get rid of Bitcoin and buy it back and replenish their stack if they think Bitcoin's going up or if they just have a ton of Bitcoin and they're like, you know what, I want a Ferrari. Let them give them a reason to buy a Ferrari.
0: Yeah. So Ferrari isn't actually holding on to any Bitcoin. They partner with BitPay and they will turn... The crypto directly in the U.S. dollars as soon as they get it, uh, so they they don't plan on holding on any crypto as of right now, right? So that can always change.
1: Well, I mean, you start even as a company if your CFO is like, "All right, we did a million dollars. Like, we sold five Ferraris in Bitcoin, yeah, two years ago. That would be worth twenty five Ferraris if we didn't if we kept the Bitcoin and just held on to it." So you know, you got to learn, you got to get in somewhere. You got to learn a little bit. You got to make mistakes. So uh, to me, that's, that's fine. Let them, let them jump in, let them see how it works. And, and if Ferrari can do it, then other car manufacturer can do it. Other car manufacturer can do it. Other companies can do it. So we'll see. I don't think there's enough people that have Bitcoin. And then of the people that have Bitcoin, there's not enough people that want to use it to buy goods and services. Uh, I think that that comes later, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Well, We still want to see – well, granted, it's a much different price tag, but I still want to see the purchases under a few hundred dollars don't have any tax consequences. That would be nice.
1: (laughs) That would be nice. I think that's in one of those bills that's sitting on in the House of Representatives right now. So in
0: 2025, we'll know if it passes or not. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. So one of the other reasons – so Anthony Scaramucci was on a podcast. He was talking about something coming up. And if you're a fan of Shark Tank, there is a new – series coming out called Killer Whales, and it is pretty much the Shark Tank version of crypto projects. So it's kind of interesting to see. It'll be exciting, at least I think. I mean, I know you're Bitcoin only, but there's a lot of applications that could or should be developed on top of crypto that could kind of change the world, right? I mean, look at what Airbnb did for the hotel industry. What else can we do with crypto that could be really intriguing?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something out there to that you can use this new technology to make things better. Probably mostly in finance, and you know, when you're talking about being able to transfer value across the internet, there's there is a use for that. You just you have to find it, and then you have to pound away for years before you get people to accept it and, and understand it and feel comfortable doing it. So,
0: so there is an interesting wallet/ slash mini computer coming out. I think it's cold cold kite or cold wallet something like that is coming out with it but pretty much what it's going to be is a combination of a hardware wallet and almost like phone and, and a few other things. So what could happen is that you could take your crypto and it could also run a, a NOS, no, Noster node. So, and it works over like a mesh network. So, you don't actually have to have the internet to work. If everybody had one of these, it could send these messages across the mesh network and you wouldn't have to be uh, connected to Wi Fi the entire time. So, granted, it's a long ways away before every single person has one. It is still kind of a cool idea that if it kind of gets rid of the need to have this 24 7 connected. wireless when you could have a mesh network that worked without the need for a huge infrastructure in the back end. I think one of the last things that I had to was, I was listening to Michael Saylor, always fun to listen to him. And one of the, his words of advice was the power of focus. And if you look at what he does, he's focused on pretty much Bitcoin at the top and, and really education. Right. So it's, I think it's one of those just good things to learn and, learn from and try to do more of is how can you focus on where you think the biggest value is going to be and not try to be opinionated on everything else in the world.
1: No, it's smart. Like you can only really do one thing at a time. People talk about multitasking and everything else, but you're, if you really want to be successful in one thing, you can't try to do four things. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Sailor's good to listen to if you're like, Oh man, bear market, not what if, you know, everybody has these like ebbs and flows of confidence and he doesn't seem to, if he does, he doesn't put on, he doesn't let you know it. So you, know, you listen to him talking like, yeah, okay. I think we're good. Also, he's in for a leveraged several billion dollars. So if he's, if he's going down, he's going down real hard. I'm go- It's going to hurt me, but he, it's, he's going to be in bad shape
0: and there's still more to buy too. I mean, he's still spent, planning to sell 700 million dollars of a coin in the near future, right? So it's he's not done.
1: Right. Well, I mean, if, if he saw that I mean, he he'll, he'll be aware of the 10% jump in a couple of minutes when there's a rumor of an ETF approval. So we're at 27,000. We're below his cost and cost basis. So anything he buys helps lower his cost basis right now that's if you're looking at it that way, it's, it's on sale for him right now. A couple of things I had one, some, some audio came out of from the FTX court case that it was an all hands meeting where Caroline Ellison, who's the the CFO was talking to the employees about what was going on in listening to it. I didn't listen to the whole thing. There was like a 30 minute call in listening to it. I was like, "This is." The, I have the least amount of confidence that this person knows what they're talking about. It, it, she was very like nervous, laughing throughout at weird times. She said, "This might be a dumb question, but what does bankruptcy mean?" So, for them to make it as far as they made it and have billions of dollars under management is shocking. I think it's like a product of the low interest rate. Where money was just flying around and nobody was really tracking it, nobody was treasuring, you know, what that the money that they were putting into investments, they were just firing things off. So in a higher interest rate environment like we have, you, there's less likely money. Money's going to be more scrutinized as to where it's where it's going. So that was pretty wild to listen to. I felt like it was a decent company. I mean, they they had a product. It worked. It looked like it worked. If You you could use U.S. dollars from your bank account to put into FTX, and then it appeared that FTX was buying whatever you told it to buy. So they were smart enough to get that far. But under the hood, there's just nothing. So that's pretty wild. And then the other thing is my BlockFi transfers hit. They uh, I had like a 90-day. It'll be happening within 90 days. And in the last few days, I've been getting confirmations that those transactions went through. So... BlockFi. I think I got through that unscathed and made some interest on crypto that turned into Bitcoin. So not terrible considering they went bankrupt.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of the whole SBF side of things, it's unfortunately, the more that comes out, the more they you realize they committed fraud. And it happened in the crypto industry, but it didn't have to be crypto. It could have been anything, right? It's just the way that they did things. It was unfortunately tied to crypto. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be a mess. It's it's still another four weeks to go, I think, before this trial wraps up. And then there's another one coming in next year at some point, too. But it's a mess. Like, I don't know how the anyone would want to defend SPF at this point. And apparently, most of the lawyers that are doing it are not doing a very good job. They're pissing off the judges. <laughs> the jurors are falling asleep. <laughs> it's,
1: it's just not debacle. Great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, you know, whatever happens to him, it's probably not bad enough.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I think he's probably going to get a way more lenient sentence, and he should. But yeah, it's it'd be good to get everything behind.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think he actually still thinks he could get himself out of this if he could get back out into industry and start placing bets again. I think he's just it turns out he's just a kind of a psychopath.
0: Cool. Anything else? you wanna chat about this week?
1: I think we covered it. I think we did pretty good. All
0: right. Well, great seeing you. Welcome back and we'll chat again uh, next week.
1: All right, thanks a lot, Jay. See you.
0: If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.